Hello, podcast listeners. I hope you're happy. I hope you're healthy. I hope you're well. Thank you for joining in. We're at episode 94 of the Access Potential Podcast. And today I'm going to make a little bit of an assertion. I'm going to draw a line in the sand. And I'm going to address a specific question that I keep getting, which is how do I get more traction? You know, maybe it's your work. Uh, maybe it's getting clients. Maybe it's your content. Maybe it's a podcast that you're creating. Uh, how do I get more traction? How do I help to distribute this thing more, get more eyeballs on it, uh, get more people seeing it? Uh, because we have this idea, obviously, a lot of us, that the more people that see the work that we do, the better. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about this, hopefully offer a helpful reframe on this idea and also look at what it takes as well. So I'm going to put some specific numbers out there uh, in terms of this, you know, this idea of volume and what kind of work lies behind this idea of traction. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So I think this will help uh, if you've just kicked off a podcast, you just checked kicked off a new social platform where you're just starting to create more content for your business, this will be relevant. Or if you've been going for a while and you're feeling lethargic, a little bit stuck, this will also be helpful as well. Thanks so much for joining me. This is John Marsh. You're listening to the Access Potential Podcast. All right. So the question is, how do I get traction? You know, I started a podcast. I've got a social media account. I'm doing YouTube. How do I get traction? How do I get more people to see uh, my stuff. And this question comes up in concert with this idea of distribution. So I've talked a lot about distribution. Distribution, kind of like commitment. So we create something, then we go to distribute uh, this thing, and we need to commit to this process. So a lot of times people will, you know, do a little bit of creative or put something out there, but then stay very silent. And this is a lack of commitment or a lack of distribution. And, you know, there's no surprises there when that doesn't really get traction because we didn't really put much effort into it, right? So it only gives us so much. Now, either way, even if we do do our best to distribute this, and even if we already have an existing platform with a fair audience, uh, when we create something new, this manual distribution is only going to take us so far. And from this point onwards, for our ideas to really spread, we need to create something that resonates with the specific people we're seeking to serve or talk to. And then this resonance is going to allow them to distribute it for us. So we're going to talk a little bit about this. Um, now, another way to think about this is if we're looking to get traction or have our ideas spread and we haven't created something that resonates specifically with a particular type of audience, then where are we expecting it to come from, right? So effectively, we can kind of see that to expect any form of traction without this resonance, without making something that's noteworthy or really touches uh, or moves our particular audience, is really kind of a selfish idea because really what we would be doing then is asking people to somehow share it or or kind of requesting this sort of traction. And straight away, we can feel that that's got a conflicted feel to it. Uh, most of us would agree that that idea does not resonate and we don't want to have this kind of forced feeling. 
So we keep coming back to this idea of resonance or we're telling stories that resonate with these people, whether that's on your podcast or in your business or training your clients, whatever it may be. It's, it's doing great work that resonates. So what I'm going to do is break down a few different examples and then wrap it all together and let's look at how we can address it with our work. So first one, I want to talk a little bit about podcasting because we're uh, obviously using that format right now and also the last two episodes that I just recorded with Rod Cooper on starting a podcast dive into this as well. Uh, there was recently an interview of Russell Brunson and he was on the Impact Theory podcast which is um, not something that I've listened to a lot to be totally honest but I did listen to this one and Russell Brunson was a founder of ClickFunnels which is a uh, landing page optimization, funnel optimization software platform, or software as a service platform, and it's gone huge, right? So he's done a lot of work, and this this company has blown up, and he's serving thousands or tens of thousands of people. Uh, and in this interview, um, Russell Brunson took us back to the early days of his own daily podcast, and he made it very clear that at the beginning, this thing was basically a piece of crap. Uh, he was recording it every day in the, on his phone, on the drive to work. It just wasn't that good. And then over time, of course, it got better. He threw out a number of 100 episodes, right? And so the concept is, if you haven't done 100 episodes, uh, you really haven't put that much time into it. And there's not really a great chance for this thing to catch on, for it to serve people powerfully, for you to develop your craft. I would go ahead and second that, you know, this is episode 94 that you're listening to. Uh, and to me, I feel as though the work is only just beginning, just for some context. So you're kind of aware uh, the first 30 to 50 episodes were really just getting the feel for this thing. And from, you know, this 90, 100, uh, and I'm expecting, you know, the next 500 on, uh, we really start to get into a place where we can answer the question of what does better look like and we can you know speak to the audience more clearly and, and bring more value uh, we can look at joe rogan obviously joe rogan just signed a crazy deal where he sold rights to his joe rogan experience podcast to spotify they bought exclusive rights uh to port all of his episodes over from youtube uh, it was a hundred million dollar deal so a big thing in the content creating world uh, shows the value of creating content, uh, specifically 100 million for Joe Rogan's content. Now, Joe Rogan's at 1,484 episodes, 1,484 episodes over 10 years. Okay, about 10 years. Uh, you know, this is almost 150 episodes a year, uh, over 300 hours per year. He's, he's two hours plus an episode. Uh, this is huge. You know, this is a lot of volume, similar to what we learned from Russell Brunson on the 100 episodes. We can see a similar thing here. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit closer to home. You know, now let's switch over. Let's look at other content platforms. Um, let's look at Instagram. A lot of people love Instagram. You know, I did an episode with Dane Walker, who's an Australian guy. Is episode number 54. It's titled, Is... Uh, Instagram dead and Dane Walker built a massive following in a very short space of time uh, through a significant amount of work you know we're talking daily long-form carousel posts with research behind them to deliver extraordinary value and entertainment to his specific audience 
thousands of interactions on top of this per day with his audience to build community on the direct messages in the comments literally uh hours and hours we're talking a full-time job to build this traction that we're we're seeking that we're talking about here right so that's a little bit you can go check out that episode and get some further depth on it let's jump over to blogs uh you know i love the blog i've got the daily blog since december 12 2017 uh that's getting close to a thousand posts which i'm excited about and you know really starting to just get into the swing of things right uh, I want to talk about Seth Godin. Obviously, he was a big influence for me to jump into this daily blogging. And, you know, he was posting more than once a day in the beginning. This was around uh, January 2002 or thereabouts. Uh, and, you know, he's been consistently showing up every single day since then, you know, 18, 20 years. And, you know, he's amassed more than a million subscribers. Uh, if if he releases a new book, if he has a workshop, and he mentions this offering in his blog, it's not uncommon for this to sell out instantly. Uh, it's a big deal, you know. This is a huge asset for Seth, and you know he has worked for this. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about music because I have told this story before, and I think it's really powerful. Uh, you know. Back in 1965, in a pizza parlor, some guys got together. They were called the Grateful Dead. And this was in the States. They played over 2,200 concerts, uh, you know, until up until 2000. I think they played a one-off in 2015, but around 2000, 2005, something like this. Uh, you know, averaging 46 concerts per year, up to 140 concerts in one year, one time. Uh, and, you know, in 1990s, uh, that decade, they turned over 250 million plus US, I think it was, in those years through concerts, merchandise, um, music, right? So a lot, you know, that, that was in the 90s, that was over 25 years after they started playing in the first place. Okay, you know, Steve Aoki, DJ producer, started in 96 prolific artist in 2012 uh, he was averaging 250 shows per year and this is not just showing up in the one location like playing in Sydney 250 times a year this is traveling 55 different cities in 60 dates right insane volume uh, bring it a little closer to home let's go to business you know a little bit more relatable um Someone that I know very well, his name is Toby Morrison. He has created what's called CFS Health. Uh, it's now an online um, program for those recovering from chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia. So number one recovery program globally. Uh, he has been doing the work for the last 10 years. Uh, we, you know, if you go check out the CFS Health YouTube page, there's there's videos going up since 2012. Um, you know, he says himself he's done over a thousand videos, Facebook lives. He's coached thousands of people through this recovery process. There's been periods of daily email newsletters. Uh, you know, he, the guy is showing up on all platforms consistently for the same specific uh, audience or super niche for over 10 years right 
it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. And he's very successful in growing an, an amazing online uh, version of his coaching program now, which is really, really cool. Uh, I want to talk about sports. Uh, friend, mentor of mine, Pete Jacobs, you can check him out on the podcast also. I uh, forget the number at the moment, but it's titled World Champion Mindset. And, you know, again, swimming, three or four years old, first started triathlon in, at 18, but was doing the work all the way up until that time. Then another 10 years after this, before he was in the mix on the world stage, right? And he eventually won uh, World Championship in 2012. But we're talking diverse movement diverse training with a lot of range different activities uh for a long time you know 15 years then consistent competition another 10 years uh so yeah overnight success in hawaii changed his life built on 20 years of work so when we look at you know this concept of distribution how do i get more eyes on my stuff how do i get more traction uh, we can see really quickly that is built on this this idea of the audience helping us out. We need to do the work, cultivate the empathy to build things that are worth talking about. Uh, and then this allows our audience to help us, you know, to help us spread our word, uh, spread our work and spread our ideas. We are not able to do this through our own manual distribution, particularly if you don't have multi-million dollar ad budgets. If you're starting out you know, lean and you're creating a service, uh, it's about showing up for a long enough period of time to resonate with a particular audience, build trust and attention, and then therefore they can help you. Now, <clears throat> the thing is, there's no act, you know, this takes skill. The ability to create the thing that resonates is going to take skill. Now, there's no actual feasible way for us to have this skill if we haven't practiced because skills require practice. So we get into the circular reasoning, right? This, this kind of one-way street that ends up in volume. It ends up in volume. It's a volume game. Why? Because... We need volume, firstly, to just develop the skill that we need to do great work that resonates. From there, the continuation, the ongoing volume, creates more value. Uh, and we now have something that people are willing to talk about, right? So it comes back to volume. Effectively, what we're seeing is that without volume, if we haven't done volume, if we haven't shown up and done the work, and we're expecting any form of traction, uh, we're really kind of being selfish because we're asking the audience to share something to their friends that likely isn't good enough and it just needs more work. It needs to get better. What does better look like? Well, we don't know until we get the feedback and we don't know until we have the skills to see what really is working. And so therefore, we don't really know until we've done the volume, All right? So it's it's kind of a little bit of a reframe. Now, the kicker is this will kind of, uh, you know, piss a little, piss a lot of people off because they want it to come early. But if we flip it and we go, okay, cool, volume might be a game that I can play, 
you know, for me, I love volume. So if we go, okay, what does it look like to enjoy volume? You know, what does that feel like? Can I, can I kind of breathe into this idea of, of volume showing up, of doing it each day, of, you know, being here for the long game? What then, right? And what we find is if we can reframe it and cultivate a positive attitude, a more relaxed nervous system around this concept, then we've got a green light to get on the court. We've got a green light to start playing the game, and we've got a green light to keep showing up for a long enough period of time. So, of course, perspective is everything. Our attitude uh, changes the approach. Our perspective changes our, how we feel about this stuff. I love the reframe personally. I really enjoy this volume. I think it's great because uh, it's less kind of focused on perfection or specific talents. Um, and it's an, an understanding that we can cultivate this talent over time. So uh, on a final note, you know, this isn't just about content. Uh, this could be your, your, your ability, your, you know, um, proficiency as a coach, as a teacher. This could be the number of speaking gigs that you want to do. This could be the number of retreats you've run, the number of clients you've taken. You know, I think back to say, uh, you know, my time in the personal training and, and, and gym space. When I was 17, I was taking people and teaching them in the gym and different movements. And then, you know, formally from 2009 through 2018, you know, group training, outdoor training, one-on-one, -on -one, corrective exercise, holistic lifestyle coaching, gym training, owning a gym, programming for the classes, taking the classes, taking one-on-ones on top of classes, uh, teaching other coaches. You know, it's it's a it adds up and it very quickly again moves back to this game of volume. So uh, I guess the parting thoughts are if you're feeling a little stuck, you're feeling a little, what do I do? Um, ask yourself, you know, have I done the work? And, and if not, um, don't feel frustrated. But then we ask the question, okay, cool. What does it look like to, to make this a game of volume and understand that we're going to get better as we move through this? You know, and, and where is this trap coming from? Why am I thinking that I may be already there and why am I getting frustrated with this expectation? Uh, is it coming from social media? Is it coming from, uh, you know, looking sideways at my peers? Is it coming from comparison? How can I kind of um, set up some boundaries around that while also embracing this posture of, of continuation and of doing the work over a long time frame? And because then once you start to see this play out, and we move into those hundreds of reps, you know, and then you start to see what we're talking about. So hopefully that's a value. Hit me up if you get stuck. John at johntmarsh.com. As always, love to hear your thoughts and ideas and hear what you're working on. Um, and thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it every time. And I look forward to seeing you on episode number 95. We're getting close to the big 100, which is super exciting. Got a cool episode out for that. So I appreciate you. Thanks so much. And I'll see you on the next episode. That's it for this episode. So speaking about volume, I just want to leave a little note here. This episode is brought to you by the Daily Blog. So if you're interested in checking that out, that's where a lot of these ideas are born, where a lot of the thinking happens, a lot of the creating happens. John at johntmarsh.com. Uh, jump over there and sign up this Friday. There's a special uh, email going out with a long form 
blog post on setting up your podcast. So going deeper into the work that we did in the last two episodes with Rod, designed to help you set up your podcast, go through your niche, identify your niche. Uh, so jump on there, subscribe, and then you'll make sure to get uh, make sure you'll get that post. Thanks so much, and see you next episode.